Welcome to A Life Designed. My name is Tina Heisman. I teach busy moms how to get everything done and still have time and energy for themselves. My passion is for helping women create more heart-to-heart -heart connection with their husband and children so that they can feel deeply fulfilled in those most important relationships. The topic for today's podcast is Healing from Grief with Pat Day McRae. But before we get started, I do want to let you know that I have created a free communication and marriage class for you. This class is for you if you have ever felt like you can't get through to your husband, you're always on a different page, and you just want to stop fighting and be on the same page like a cohesive team. In just 30 minutes, this class is going to help you lay the foundation for healthy communication in your marriage and teach you how to handle difficult conversations so you can feel more connected and like you're on the same team as your husband. So you can visit the link in the show notes to access it. Also, I have a free private group on Facebook where you can come to get inspiration for your life. It's called A Life Designed, and it's actually a happy place on Facebook. So I hope you'll join us. Okay, so now let's dive in and talk about Healing from Grief with Pat Day McRae. So today I am so excited to be joined by Pat. She is a certified grief coach and she specializes in helping moms who are dealing with grief after the death of their chronically ill child. She's also a parental advisor to those dealing with child-related issues involving life circumstances and trauma. She is the founder and CEO of an online bookstore called Miracle, which is short for medically inspired reading about challenging life experiences. And she will tell you more about that. And finally, she holds a patent, you guys, a U.S. patent for therapeutic dolls, which are used to explain before and after surgical procedures to children. And so she'll tell you more about that too. Maybe most importantly is that Pat is a mother of three children here on earth and one in heaven. And I know this is quite an interesting bio and you are probably really wondering how Pat was inspired to become and do all of this in her lifetime. And so let's welcome her. Hi, Pat. Welcome. Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for having me here. I so appreciate it. I appreciate you. You're so welcome. I appreciate you too. You guys, I was just really drawn to Pat the first time I met her, um, even before I heard her story. And then once I heard her story, I knew that I wanted to share it with you because it's really inspirational. And I think that it shows how in life we can take the difficult things that are handed to us, even the most difficult and create purpose and, and beauty out of it. And that's just exactly what I see in Pat's story. And I'm so grateful that she was gonna share it with us. And Thank so you. just to, so you guys can stop hearing from me and start hearing from Pat. So Pat, you're a grief coach. And I know that you have experienced death in several different occasions in your life. And so could you share those experiences with us so we have an idea kind of, of, of where you're coming from with this? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, for sure, absolutely. So my, my first experience up close and personal was the death of my two younger brothers. I was 17 years old and the vehicle we were in was struck by a drunken driver from the back. And the car, it caught a blaze and the boys never got out of the car. So that was my first encounter with someone so close to me. And then 
later there was the death of my father. You know, that was another close connection with someone who died. And then unfortunately my mom died too. However, it was the death of my daughter that actually restructured the direction of my entire life. I'm not sure if it was because she was my biological child, I had carried her or what it was, but it was something about her death that allowed me to grow, grow and blossom in a way that I have today. No. Oh. And so your daughter's name is Alicia. Yes, Alicia. Can you tell yes. us a, about Alicia's story? Wow. Okay. So Alicia was my firstborn and she was born uh, this bubbly, beautiful, gorgeous baby, head full of hair, totally flawless. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, in the early stages of her, of her um, being here, there was some weird, some weird stuff going on. Like um, she would have this diarrhea all the time. So I spent lots of times going back and forth to the emergency room and saying, well, listen, something's wrong. And they were pretty much looking at me like, mom, she's fine. And I'm, like, and I'm thinking, is she fine or is it, is it me? So it wasn't until she was a year and a half old that I had taken her back to the emergency room again. And this time additional tests were done and it was determined through an exploratory surgery that she was born with a GI duplication that was not corrected during birth. And my visualization for those who wonder what is a GI duplication is Some people are born with an extra pinky on the side of their baby finger. And so just like that extra pinky, she was born with an extra piece of intestines. And as her normal intestines grew, that extra piece it grew to, and it pretty much grew like a vine around the good intestines, cutting off the circulation. So those were those episodes of me running back and forth to the emergency room because it would cut off those, cut off the circulation. And by the time we got to the ER, it was, it would release. So she was like perfectly fine. Like, like, mom, why, why are we here? You know, the doctor's like, why is she here? And I'm like, well, a minute ago, it wasn't like that. So after that exploratory surgery and that was diagnosed, um, it, it was discovered. Um, yeah, so that was the beginning of our new journey. You know, with that uh, surgery, they had to remove over 90% of her intestines because it turned out they had all turned, it was uh, gangrenous and had to be removed. So she was given a colostomy bag and I was told that she would never be able to eat food again. So for me, my thought as a parent is, a role as a parent is to feed, clothe and, sh- clothe and shelter your child. And now here I am thinking, how do I parent if I don't feed my child? But instead it was connecting her to a iPad machine, the iMat machine. And, you know, and that, that was our normal, that was our, our new normal at that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so even doing that, she became the hospital's baby, the hospital baby. She was always bubbly, always happy. And at some point she was able to come off of her machine like eight hours a day. And during that time, you would never know that there was anything ever going on with her. So she was a, she was a delightful person. She was always happy. She had this little savviness about herself that just like drew everyone to her. They just loved Alicia. She was known faithfully in the hospital as baby day. So yeah, that was Alicia. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. And so then what happened 
to her that she didn't make it here on earth any longer. Yeah, so they had actually taken her for a, another surgery to replace her broviac catheter. The broviac catheter is what, were, what her feeding tube was connected to. And sometimes it would get clot and it would have to replace it if they weren't able to unclot it. And uh, doing that surgery, it, went, it, it actually was not a successful surgery. They were not able to get a new line in her. But as she was recovering from that surgery in ICU, um, she appeared to be perfectly fine. Uh, the last night I saw her, because pretty much I lived in the hospital. They gave me a room. I moved into the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, I stood by her bed that night and I said, please, mommy's going to go to bed. And she's like, okay. So she gave me the biggest hug, Tina. <laughs> and she says, mommy, I love you so much. And I hugged her back and I said, and I love you so much. And after we finished loving on each other, I went next door to my room and went to bed. And that next morning, I just heard cold PICU, cold PICU. And I knew in my spirit, it was her um, as the numbers were low in ICU. So there weren't a lot of children there, but I just knew it was Alicia. And um, from that, it was determined from her cold, she, she did code. And from that code, it turns out that she suffered, um, uh, she went into a coma. So her coma, she remained comatose basically the last 10 months of her life. So um, during that time, I was able to, times were different then. During that time, I was able to suction her when she was on a ventilator. I did dressing changes. I did whatever the nurses did basically to a degree. But um, I was still able to still parent her in a way, you know, give her her baths, her wash-ups and put cute little barrettes in her hair and matching socks. So for me as a mom, that was all I could give. And I had pleasure in just doing that. Yeah. And so can you tell everyone how old she was when she passed away? Yeah, Alicia passed maybe about three months shy of her fourth birthday. Yeah, about three, about three months short shy of her fourth birthday. Yeah. She was just a little peanut. She was a little one. <laughs> She was a little one. She was very young. Yeah. So what was that like for you after she passed away? Like the grief part of it in your life and what do you do? Wow. Well, I had a very supportive church during the entire journey of her illness. And it's nothing against anyone, but I think what happens is in society, we're very supportive with one another when the crisis is going on. And somewhere after the burial, everyone kind of like go in their own direction. Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't want to be a burden to people, but I was so lost and I was so alone. Uh, I was separated, Alicia's dad and I were separated. So I was going home to an empty home by myself. And it was very lonely. I felt I found myself going into her room, um, picking up her garments, smelling them, holding them, you know, remembering, Mm -hmm. you know, I found myself endless days and nights in her room on the floor, just ugly crying. I mean, ugly crying, Tina. Mm -hmm. And there was no one there to comfort me because I'm home alone. And so after I get through with all of my 
dinosaur tears and I finally get myself together by now I have a headache <sighs> wash my face and try and pull it together and until the next time it's like let me leave the room until the next time I come back into the room you know mm-hmm. so it, it was really hard at some point I remember one of my friends coming over and and he said Pat why is your house so dark and and I open up my arms as if you welcome someone into your home. And I said, welcome to the depressed home. So I own my emotional feelings. I own them. I'm like, I'm depressed. Just come on in, you know. But I didn't yet want to be a burden to people because I knew I was so low. So I didn't really want to be around people with my heaviness, Mm -hmm. you know. But so I found myself just okay being alone, but happy to see people. But happy to let people know I was depressed too. So I don't know what that looked like in their ears, but that's how I showed up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it was really hard. It, it, was, it was really a dark place. It was a heavy place. It was a lonely place. In some ways, it was a place I wanted to be in mm-hmm. because I felt like I didn't deserve to be happy again. I felt like I had let her down. I felt like, you know, Nothing good was due me because of, and what the of was, I wasn't quite sure other than because of her not being here, because of Alicia not being here, nothing good was due good for me, you know? And, and in my mind, I, I quietly embraced that. Coming from a, a faith-based background, um, I don't think that's the conversation my pastor would have wanted to have known I felt, but that is how I felt. I just felt like, you know, that was, it was just really the end of my world. Yeah. And then at some point you started to turn a corner, kind of what happened with that? Yeah. So (laughs) I would have these angry conversations with God (laughs) and because the thing of it is, God and I, we have, to, we have this relationship, right? So I, I'm in the hospital doing her journey and I'm telling people God is going to heal her. God, God, I know my savior. We're gonna, he's going to perform a miracle. And he did. He performed so many miracles. There were so many times that they would uh, tell me that Alicia is completely brain, brain dead. She's not breathing on her own. Then it would come back and say, you know, she's taking a couple of breaths. You know, to just hear she's taking a couple of breaths. That was, that was like, fire to the flame for me. I'm like, oh, God is doing it. We doing this, you know? And so during the grief, I found myself having these angry conversations with God. It's like, God, you let me down. You embarrass me and blah, blah, blah. I told people you're going to do ABCYZ and you to come through, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tina, it, it was as if he and I was, we were on this journey and we were walking and I was complaining and he was listening. He was listening. I was complaining. I didn't hear him say anything, but at some point, I think I walked with him so long and I went from talking at him to calming down. Cause I think what happens Tina, once you've, once you've complained and whined and nagged so much and the person is not really behaving in or, or giving the reaction that you're looking for at some point, I think your common sense just say, well, this isn't working. Let me just stop. Right. So I kind of think that's what the relationship was with God and I, we're walking and I'm complaining and he's just there with me because I'm complaining to him. 
And at some point I find myself not talking at him, but I find myself talking to him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I had got all the anger, all the frustration out with him. You know, the Bible let us know that if you have an art with somebody, you go to him. And unfortunately my art was with God, the creator. Right. But I went to him and I told him, you know, and so I found myself talking to him. And as I began to talk to him, I, I heard him talk back to me. And as, and now we're walking in unity. Now we're together and he's talking to me and I'm talking to him. And then he's beginning to tell me, to show me things about me. He's like, Pat, you, you have to let go of this anger and it's unforgiveness. And initially I was like, what anger? I'm good. You know? And the more I walked and the more we talked, I began to see it. And I, I did, I, I had to forgive. And once I acknowledged that that was an area that was really holding me low, I, I, I began to work on it, you know, and I looked at who did I need to forgive? I needed to forgive the doctors who did not do what I, what they, they did not diagnose her sooner. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the first thing right there. Mm -hmm. And then after, after this happened and now we're hospitalized, now I need to forgive the technicians for not coming up with a cure, I guess. I don't know, whatever. I just needed to forgive them. I needed to forgive God for not healing her. But further than that, I needed to forgive me. I needed to forgive me for not knowing what I did not know to do. You know, I wasn't, I'm not God. I'm not a doctor. And I fought it myself for all that I, that I should have known. I, well, how should I have known to diagnose her when I've never gone to medical school? You know, how should I have known anything when it was not my field of expertise? You know, so I did. I had to learn to forgive myself. And once I acknowledge who my anger was with and I began to work on that forgiveness to really forgive them. And I don't mean just saying forgive you with my mouth. I had to forgive them to the point of letting go. And, and knowing that we're all human. Errors happen. You have to breathe in, breathe out, let it go and move on. That's something I always say, breathe in, breathe out, let it go and move on. And I let it go. So, yeah. I think that's another miracle. That's very, um, I don't even think it's easier said than done. Like that's just, it's a miracle. You know, it's really, yeah, that's really huge. But you feel like that was what really was responsible kind of for your turning point and being able to. Sure, absolutely. Because when you when you're walking around and you have all this heaviness on you, and if you think about your heaviness and you go into a, a lake or a sea, you're just going to drift down. There's no escalation with heaviness on you. Yeah. Mm. You know. So if you allow yourself to let it go, then you can exhale. When you ex you 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 can rise above. So it was like once I let it go. God began to just speak to me in ways of saying, Pat, I want you to do this. And, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm like, okay, you know, speak a Lord, that servant here, you know? <laughs> and so it was like the first, the first concept he gave me once we got, once I got past and I say we, because I didn't do this thing by myself. Right. But once the, once the forgiveness kicked in and the grief was dissipating, you know, 
I'm now shifting somewhere. Now, that doesn't mean that I, I was not still grieving. The pain was still there, but it was, re, it, it was realigning itself in a different way. It was shifting. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't carrying a 20 pound bowling ball. Now maybe my bowling ball might be 15 pounds and eventually it was five pounds. And, and now I can honestly say I live in a place that's guilt and grief free, totally guilt, guilt and grief free, totally free. And, you know, so with, with me releasing everything and me now having an ear to hear, he began to tell me, well, I want you to do this. And, and I didn't understand the why I'm just doing stuff. I'm literally just doing stuff. Right. And so I started like, um, I invented this, um, this business called the quit foundation kids with intestinal disorders. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start a foundation. You know, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, quit foundation was built with the concept of supporting kids with an intestinal disorder. And it was designed more so as a resource bank so that families could come there and get a sense of direction of where to go for whatever they need with your child that has intestinal disorder, you know? And then um, from there, Holy Spirit, he directed me and he said to me, um, geez, I'm sorry, he, he speaks to me so many, I'm trying to think the alignment of everything he's given me to do. So he said, well, okay, so I want you to do this uh, patent, this invention. I want you to invent these therapeutic dolls. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a patent. <laughs> Nothing about going to get a patent, right? And so I filled out the forms and submitted everything and gave them my concept of what my idea was. And my idea was these therapeutic dolls, um, or these therapeutic organ dolls, dolls that are basically do, that have organs that allow children to see the how they look before the surgery and how they look after the surgery. And it's about getting children involved with your healthcare at a young age. You know, you're never too young to learn. And especially if it's going on in your body, you should know what every scar and nick came from. You know, <laughs> I have scars on my leg. I'm like, I don't know where that came from. But when you're talking about surgical procedures, let's get the kids involved with their healthcare as young as, as we possibly can. And with these dolls, something they could hold tangibly that they can see, well, this is how I look before. And when they remove this, this is what it's going to look like afterwards. Mm -hmm. I'll still be okay, but this little piece is going to be gone, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So then he had me to uh, submit that idea and I received my patent, you know? And I'm like, okay, I have a patent. And then he's like, well, I want you to start this bookstore. And I'm like, a bookstore? Okay. And the ironic thing is I've always worked in the library, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a bookstore. And that's where the concept came from. Just Holy Spirit, just speaking to me, do this. And I, I have the fortune, I have the pleasure of meeting a, um, a, a business coach person. And I talked to him and he says, well, Pat, what do you really want to do? I said, well, I want to do a children's bookstore. And I was afraid to be free to think in my mind that I could do something different. But it was the words that he said to me, he says, Pat, what do you really want to do? And I said, what do I really want to do? And he says, yes. I said, okay, I'll, I'll tell you as if I'm telling you a secret. Mm -hmm. What I really want to do, I want to have a bookstore that only explains medical illnesses to children, medical illnesses, conditions, and circumstances to children. And he said, then that's what you do. And it was as if, even though God had given me the concept, 
it was as if I needed that final validation to say, I give you permission mm-hmm. to do that. And once that happened, then um, I began shifting my research on how to do a bookstore completely different. I found that there is no bookstore out here that actually have books that explain medical illnesses only to children. And I, and, and I like to tell people, you won't find Harry Potter in my bookstore unless he break his glasses or Cinderella <laughs> unless she sprained her ankle trying to get to the pumpkin. You know, there's no reason because my books are only about medical illnesses, conditions and circumstances, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so. It's um, amazing. And then another step in your journey, and I this, I don't know if there's something else in between, but that we know is that you are now certified as a grief coach. So yeah. did the Holy Spirit push you down yeah. that road too? Well, yeah, he, he really did. I don't go anywhere without God going first, okay? <laughs> Let me be clear on that. If he's, I trust him to go into the room to prepare me before I get in there for him to scope it out and tell me, look, when you go in there, I've already taken care of it. Okay. You just follow me. So I just follow his lead. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So he um, encouraged me to become certified as a grief coach. It, it was really weird how all this really started off, but yeah, I got certified as a grief coach and as a grief coach, um, I have two different businesses. There's Pat Day McCray, the grief coach, basically for my private clients. And then there's a pathway from grief. A Pathway from Grief is designed basically to support African-American, um, basically African-American women who are dealing with grief and um, child-related issues as far as communication uh, with the hope of limiting the number of, not so much as limiting, but actually preventing child abuse within households within, within African-American families. Wow. So, yeah. So I'm so excited about that, you know, and um excited about everything to to be honest with you because God is just good and everything he's given me I trust is really good and it has and it has a purpose you know and I just love how it all really goes together you know it just it it might have seemed like it was kind of coming from nowhere at the time but it just is really all just a wonderful um, lovely combination of things and I imagine it's all the best of you It really is. It, it really is. And, and there's times, even with my concept, when I feel I might feel stuck, I step back and I'll tell God, okay, God, what are you doing here? I put it on him. It's like, what do you <laughs> want me to do? <laughs> Where should I go with this? This is you, you know, this yeah. is us together, but you in the front, they gonna see you before they see me. Yeah. So how you want to show up, God? Cause I'm, I'm going to present it the way you want it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So can you um, share with us how people can get in touch with you, like your website or your email address, whatever, um, whatever way you would like for people, if they want to know more about what you do and all of the different yeah. services. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. So yeah, they could contact me at pday, uh, P-D-A-Y at a pathway from grief. And uh, I would be more than happy to support anyone or talk with them and see what we could go from there. You know, and, and let me say, Tina, that even with all that has happened in my journey, I, I like to say that even in the death of my daughter, that I understand that um, 
this is what I like to share with people that my, my daughter's life, it gave me complete joy. Mm-hmm. But even in her death, it gave me purpose. And I fully understand that without her life and without her death, who I am today, I would not be. So for the entire package of the journey that I've had with my daughter, I'm so grateful. And it is with this package that I've learned how to be, you know, God has taken me from a place of grief to a place of gratitude, not only for her life, but for her death as well. And to live in a place of total grief-free for the life and death of my child, Alicia, I count that as an honor. You know, I count it as a blessing from God because to see everything, you know, we might want to see, we might see some things and think, well, that's, that wasn't good. That was bad. But even in what we might label as bad, it could still be good if we allow ourselves to see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about you, that you are doing so much good in the world, but really, and and I know that I believe you when you say that, like it is truly from your heart, where you're at. And I feel like that should give, could give, can give people who might be still in a situation of grief, so much hope that there is a way through it. And there was a, is a way out. And there is a way like to hear you talk about your daughter bringing you joy and, and your purpose in your life. It's just so inspiring to me. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, (laughs) Tina. Thank you for having me here. I so appreciate you platforming my story. I am so happy to share it. And I hope that helps a lot of people and I hope that you all just heard loud and clear from Pat as everything she's been through and how she has created a wonderful life. And also, of course, how God is, has been a part of that every step of the way. And so I think having said that, maybe uh, we could end with a prayer and then we'll um, say goodbye. So I'll give us just a little thing and Pat, if you want to say anything when I'm done, please feel free, but no pressure, (laughs) actually. Okay. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you so much for the gift of Pat and the gift of her daughter. Just that you have made our paths cross, that you have um, stayed with her and helped her to get to know you better and learn and grow from you and just thank you so much for the impact that she is making on the world. We are truly grateful. And we just, Pat and I would like to ask that this time that we've spent together today, sharing the story that you could please bless this conversation and help the message get to all of those who need to hear it. And we ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, okay. No pressure. But let let me just say a little bit. I I thank God. Um, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we do. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the connection. We ask right now that you would use our life experiences, that they can make a difference and make a strong impact in those that feel bound and confined in a place of darkness and heaviness due to the life and death of their loved ones. We ask that you would just give them the will to make that choice and to make that decision that they want something different for them, for themselves, for themselves, as well as their families, and that they will step up and step out and extend their hands and their voices to uh, reach out to whomever it is that can support them on their, uh, on the journey that they're experiencing. 
in Jesus name, we thank you for all that you've done. We know that everything that you do and will continue to do will be good in Jesus name. Amen. 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 I knew you'd have some beautiful words. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And thank Thank you, you everyone else. We will see you next week.